to the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast with Roz Gervais and Laura Day, where we chat about our creative lives as artists while keeping it real and a little bit messy. We're here to inspire creatives just like you to push past those boundaries and make art that you love. Let's dive in. Everybody and welcome to the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast. We have another beautiful artist to introduce to you today. Her name is Tessa Bartholomew. You can find her on Instagram as Tessa Marie Art. And we're so excited to have you, Tessa. Do you want to say hi? Yay! Thank you. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hi. So happy to meet you both. Yay. We've loved following your journey over on Instagram and all of our chats as well in the DMs. You are like a firecracker. <laughs> Yeah, I'm on Instagram a lot, especially stories. I love it. It's just like the way of communicating for me now. I, yeah, love it. It's lots of fun. I think because it's so visual and interactive as well. It's like it's a community. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And it's the best community, honestly. So good. So if you haven't heard yet about Tessa and her amazing art and also her personal journey, you might have some questions for her. So we're going to ask her those on your behalf. So first up, Tessa, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and how you've come to art? Yeah, sure. So I guess going way back after high school, I studied graphic design, so visual communication. I wanted to do art, but I thought at the time, like, oh, I don't think I'd be able to find a job, blah, blah, blah. I was listening to all the voices and, you know, the teachers and the parents, unfortunately, (laughs) that were telling me, yeah, that's probably the way to go. I did actually go to like a open day for visual art in Melbourne. So I wanted to move to Melbourne, go to RMIT, do all the things. But then I ended up staying and doing graphic design in Adelaide, did an internship, all those things, and just got really frustrated being on a computer all the time. And my mind was just buzzing constantly. I worked part-time in a cafe and I was doing like their window displays and things like that for events. So I really loved making and creating things and building little props and things like that, upcycling. And the the guy I was actually doing the internship with, the graphic design internship said, maybe you should look into visual merchandising because that's kind of all you seem to be talking about. <laughs> so I made the jump to Melbourne and did visual merchandising, worked in that for a while, worked in events. And I was a 3D designer for like four and a half years over there, project managing some pretty big corporate clients and building their exhibition stands. So I guess exhibition in in the sense it's actually like a trade show stand for trade shows. And that was very cool, but very, very stressful. Fast forward, I moved back to Adelaide at the end of 2018 and worked for a similar company, but in a sales role, um, not so much design, but it was really cool having that background to know how things got built. And in the company in Melbourne, I pretty much did everything. I actually built the displays, designed them, dealt with the clients, traveled, did all the things. And I loved it, but it, yeah. It was quite, quite full on. And then I, I've always painted in the background. That was sort of like a side gig that I, I started selling things when I was in Melbourne, just painting for friends and then just started selling to random people. And that was amazing because I was like, oh, maybe this could actually be a thing. And that's always been humming away in the background. But the start of this year, so 2021, when you're probably listening to it, it might be 2022. <laughs> 2023. Oh, 2023. Oh my goodness. We're jumping, uh, <laughs> jumping years here. I completely forgot a whole year. Anyway, I think we've forgotten like two years, haven't we? Blame it on COVID, Tessa. <laughs> <laughs> so the start of this year, 2022, 
I quit my events job and um, made the transition into full-time art. And that wasn't my intention at all. It was purely came about, I was applying for part-time roles because I had a bit of a health condition. I can go into that in a bit more detail in a bit. And I had to really pull back on the stress and really just like change my whole lifestyle. So I was like, okay, events isn't going to work. I'll apply for maybe a part-time thing. And just everything just felt wrong. I just couldn't do it. I was applying and then hoping I didn't get an interview. And it was just like, I was just putting all the negative energy out there. I was like, don't employ me. I don't want to, I don't want to work for you. So I was like, well, if I put this energy into my own business and actually give that the energy I'm giving to these roles that I don't really want and I'm applying for, what could that look like? And then, yeah, I just sort of filtered all that energy into my own thing. And here we are today. You know what I hear as you're talking and telling us about your history, like basically like a common experience that you hear from other creatives as well that have had mixed sort of backgrounds. But what happens is all of it ties in together, you know, like you've learned sales skills, you've learned the graphic skills. And I know from your Instagram that you use Procreate sometimes now for your art practice. Like it all ties together and builds the artist who you are today. I think a lot of people get a bit hung up on that. Like, you know, I used to work in corporate or whatever. How can I be a real artist? But actually the skills you learn in corporate can help you. And sorry, not can, do help you to be whoever you are today. So yeah, your story is amazing. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely didn't. I never felt like I fit into the corporate world ever. I was always the distractor. I was always the one that would walk in with a speaker playing music and like, come on guys, let's, let's, and yeah, wearing a uniform, but it just didn't ever feel right. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The skills that I learned in sales, knowing how to, you know, charge correctly, deal with clients, all those things has really put me in good stead for my own business and saying yes to things that feel good and no to things that don't feel good as well. So that's been a massive driver. So your background in events, it really sounds like a very high energy industry. And it sounds like, you know, you put a lot of energy into it. And then, so you sort of touched on your health challenge. So what was it that sort of like led into that? Did you get to burnout or like what happened in making your decision to jump into art full-time? Yeah, I would say I was burnt out, but I didn't really recognize the signs. So I had a lump on the side of my neck, which ended up being thyroid cancer. Didn't know it at the time, got it removed. It was the size of a golf ball, pretty serious. And I was like, oh, okay. I found out Christmas Eve of 2020 that it was cancer. And I was like, oh, thanks. Merry Christmas. And I just said a big F word to the surgeon and it was like, okay, what now? Like, what can we do? What can I do to make myself, you know, recover? And I was just, I saw a naturopath and that really kind of led me on a, a different kind of health journey because I was really determined not to be put on medication, but it kind of got to a point where I do like thyroxine is pretty common. A lot of people have it and there's no no, like natural kind of remedy that can replace that hormone in your body. So I was like, okay, just having that knowledge and understanding of like what I need to do for myself and just reducing stress. And I just thought, well, events is just, I was traveling every week and it was We had a lot of people that left over COVID because it shut down for like 10 weeks. A lot of people were stood down and we were all stood down. Sorry. No one was let go. They managed to hold on to everyone, but it was just like pretty chaotic. And a lot of people just had to leave because they didn't know the certainty and like a lot of jobs. So when I went back full time, it was 
just like I was doing free people's jobs. I'd always put my hand up for anything. I was managing the social media accounts because I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. So I was like my own worst enemy because we lost our manager in that time too. She moved on. So I felt like I had no protection from myself in a way. Like I would just put my hand up for everything and think I was, I don't know, some martyr trying to save the day. And I was reaching a point of absolute burnout, but it took the lump in my neck to realize like, okay, this has to actually change. This is really serious. And what other health things? Because I've always had kind of gut issues and like, there's just been a lot of like internal body stuff that I just haven't been noticing because I've been so busy and distracted uh, with all these other things. So I just had to strip all those back and just get really completely raw and go, all right, what do I need to do for myself? And I now feel like I'm rebuilding. I understand what you're talking about because I think when you are of that nature, like that hands up, yeah, I'll do it. I've got it. I'll cover it. You're like that. (laughs) Yeah. We're sort of similar. Yeah. You just put so much energy into everything. You're so busy, like you're happily busy, but you don't necessarily tune into you and what you actually even want to say yes to and tuning into your health, like you're saying. So Totally. I can, I can see that journey. I can imagine how that would have been. Now I'm just really trying to rest as well. Like really notice when my body is like, okay, that's enough energy out. Like this week for me, I've had so much energy out the last couple of weeks that I was like, this is an inward week where I'm at home. I'm going to sort things out, tidy, like just get back in order. So then I can go out again, kind of like a butterfly. (laughs) That's sort of how I feel at the moment, but Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast episode is sponsored by Laura's Creative Kickstart Coaching Sessions, designed for aspiring artists seeking motivation and support to turn their creative dreams into reality. Go to www.laurajaneday.com slash work with me to find out more. You've been busy on the mural front. Yes. Yeah, I've started doing murals around Adelaide, just residential ones at the moment, which has been really great. And that just came about, I was like, I was chatting to a friend who was a mural artist in Adelaide and she was like, if you can paint a canvas, you can paint a wall, just give it a go. Like what's the worst could happen? Just paint a friend's wall first. And my lovely dad actually said, here's a wall in my house. Like just paint it like three meter by three meter wall. And it was so much fun. And because I could just be there, I was like in this whole little world and I drew it up on Procreate and kind of like created this whole concept and chose the colors and just made it like very systemized for me. So when I was actually painting, it didn't feel like super overwhelming, like I had no plan. So yeah, I kind of created a little bit of a system and thought, well, I reckon I can do this for other people too. So I just put like a little Facebook ad out there thinking like nothing of it on a community page and said, hey, this is what I'm doing. Anyone interested? I'm trying to build my folio. And I had like so many responses. A little too many, but it was really good. And I've started painting around Adelaide and it's great. And people are loving it. And it's it's great because I yeah, get to deal with clients, go to their houses, see what's around in the houses. I um oh also another thing, like I do style like property styling for a bit. So I did that in between a couple of jobs. So yeah, I love Ezra, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Interior, yeah, I'm like, oh, when did I fit that in? I love interior design. Like honestly, I am obsessed with interior design. So I love going to people's houses and going, ah, okay, they like that color. They like that kind of artwork. They like that. And like wrapping it all together and putting it into a concept that they're going to love. 
And that's been really great to work with them and really come up with something that they feel like they've almost created themselves as well. So yeah, it's just been really fun. And I'd love to get into like commercial space murals and even council ones. But at the moment, I feel like I'm just building my folio so then I've got more to share and handle different kind of surfaces as well. So there's all, haven't done corrugated iron yet. A bit scared of that. Tessa, just remember, you can say no yeah. to certain surfaces. Totally serious. I painted a piano recently and it was- Oh, I saw that. Yeah, and it was so much fun. But it's very, like, in certain sections, really bumpy and it's okay to say no. I'm talking to myself here, Tessa. <laughs> it's okay to say no. I'm like, part of me wants to just give it a go so I know that that's a no for next time. Oh, no, just don't. Just don't. The <laughs> cor- <laughs> I know some people just don't. They're like, nah. Just say no. You actually should be charging way more for that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see how that goes. And that's, yeah, that's sort of where I'm heading at the moment. So, yeah. Good fun. So when you're making your jump into art full-time, did you feel like any emotions or like mental blocks coming up? I feel like, you know, from perspective of our listeners, they may be like sort of in the initial stages of wanting to make that jump and trying to figure out like how they're going to manage that. So obviously you had a big health scare and it made you reevaluate life. And then that sort of change, like totally like shift the landscape of, you know, what you wanted to do with a path of your life. So like what advice would you impart, do you think, if someone's sort of, you know, putting their toe in and sort of experimenting, but then they they sort of have their sights on, you know, doing something like you're doing with murals or workshops or event painting workshops and things. Mm, yeah. I guess everyone's circumstances are different, like financially for sure. And I think that that was a really big blocker for me was, oh, I have to earn X amount in my own business before I can quit my full-time thing. That was the mentality I was thinking before I did it, right? So I was like, oh, like I I kind of felt like I was worth a dollar amount. So per day, I need to earn this amount. And that's not realistic. Like if you're looking for that reassurance, it's never going to happen. Sorry to break it to you unless, I don't know, unless you're charging a ridiculous amount and you happen to sell a $25,000 painting or something. And then you're like, cool, that will fund me. But again, that's not consistent. So a consistent income, I had to realize that is not going to happen. Like that was the big breaking point for me. And it was more like the internal work that I had to do on myself go, oh, I'm much more than, you know, $250 a day. I'm much more than that. And the, the value that I add it comes in waves and it's not going to be consistent. So really realizing that. And I mean, it was a really good conversation I had with my partner as well, just seeing how happy it made me and him being like, it's okay to, yeah, just do what makes you happy. Like that job's making you miserable and, you know, just filter that energy in, in that way. And I was quite lucky, I suppose, because I had a lot of savings. So during like COVID and everything, in 2020, I was planning to buy a house or an apartment. That went out the window because like (laughs) house prices completely went up. So I just said, well, I have this money that I can put into myself now into a business. Why don't I do that? And, you know, I might lose a bit here and there, but like, let's just filter that money. So I guess I had that buffer and I still do have a little bit of a buffer of savings that I then will 
pull out and put into my business and then make it back in my business. So it was really from a monetary point of view that I had to really go, okay, this is what I want to do. And I guess financially, I can't speak for anyone else and their situation, but I guess if they're working a full-time job, like maybe think about pulling back a day and going, all right, if I earn this much money, say, I don't know, $200 in that, could I do a painting that I could then sell, you know, one painting a month? Could that pay for my $200 a week that I am kind of thinking like very logically and that way? That's how I sort of felt how I would pull back. I just went cold turkey. It wasn't intentional at all. I thought I would pull back and go, all right, I'll work three days a week in something, two days, and then be able to say consistently I'm earning this income. But I kind of knew that that was probably not going to be a reality. And this is where, Tessa, you know, the money management comes in. As and, and as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about profit first, which Laura's a little bit better at than me. So Laura's the pro. I've only just set myself up in this way. So you, you might not be making that consistent income, but you can manage your money in a way that gives you consistent, like a consistent salary of some sort. It might be low, but some sort of consistency in that way, if you set yourself up in a particular way. And I think it's just, yeah, having those systems and having those kind of buckets and going, all right, okay, this much goes to tax. Like actually just being very systematic about money from the get-go. And I got an accountant. She just did my tax for me because I was like, I don't know. Like I made a loss, like, because like, honestly, set up fees and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, great, I made a loss. I get some money back. Like, so I was actually really stoked about that because I was like really fearful. But again, that was July, 2021 to June. 2020 and it only started, sorry, 2022. I don't know what date it is. And I'd only started like full time in March this year. So, because I gave myself like, I gave myself like a month to go, what am I doing with my life? And then was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So, from March, really. So, I like, I knew that I didn't make much money. I got like a whole new computer, got like, yeah, microphone, tripod, or like these things that I was like, I know I'm going to use these. They're going to be expensive right now, but. I'll have them for ages. So it's an investment in yourself and an investment in your business. And like, it only makes sense that there's going to be, you know, prices attached to all your setup costs for a business. But I guess for those of you out there that are risk averse, it can (laughs) seem quite scary because following a creative path, like there's no guarantees and you do have to follow like different adventures and try different things. And collect a whole range of different income streams and experiment with like where that money is coming from and like whether yeah you keep your full-time gig and and step back like you said or if you just have a part-time job that you can invest in your art business and invest in yourself. I wasn't one of those people. I just sort of like jumped in and then I had like yeah it's the gig economy, isn't it? Like it's juggling different things. So you can reinvest in in your art business. And you've tried a whole heap of things. Like I love the energy behind what you're doing and you're so enthusiastic and you, you know, doing your workshops and your private events. And you had a big one recently, the private event as well. How did that go? Oh, amazing. It was so good. 31 women at a hen's day. So I went to their house and yeah, did a paint and sip. I I'm a little bit like not against paint and sips, but Tessa, sorry, I'm interjecting. Are you actually me? Just checking. I'm just checking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, really? Are you not liking them? I was like, I don't want 
to go like, here's Frida Kahlo, all paint Frida Kahlo. Like I couldn't do that. No way, no way. So I still wanted them to find their own individual style and their color palette and all that kind of stuff. I also didn't want to provide the alcohol. So I was like, if you guys want to drink, you guys bring your own alcohol because I don't want to be responsible for like how much they drink or anything like that. So that's what made it great because it was at their house as well. So it wasn't like on my premises and a few people got a little bit messy. So you could definitely tell the ones that had drunk a lot and then the ones that hadn't because you're like, that's great. Oh, what have you done here? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, some of them were really, really good. And then I just, I've been really getting into this kind of reverse painting technique. So at the moment, so just doing like crazy abstract background, doesn't matter what it looks like at all. And then kind of, and I've been doing this on Procreate. So taking a photo of the artwork and then drawing on top of that, like a flat color design. Um, And then I thought this could translate really, really well to a workshop. So that was sort of what I, I've been practicing that style. And I thought, yeah, I'd be able to teach this really well, especially to drunk people. So I think, I think we're good. We can foolproof it. I made like a little worksheet and some examples, and then they could draw their own design on there. Some of them were quite interesting. You could probably put two and two together of what they might have painted at a hen's day. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. Some of them I'm like, okay, but yeah, it was great. And I just had an example of what I, what I did and you know, someone asking me for different color palette advice and all that kind of stuff and techniques and all that, those things. But yeah, they all had very individual looking paintings. No two were the same, which was really great. And that's what I don't like as well with like the comparison. So if you're sitting next to someone and they're painting the same thing as you, it's how we were taught art at school. Like, oh, that person's better than me. And you're always going to compare all the time. So that really eradicates that comparison. Like we're always going to do that because that's just what humans do. But when they look vastly different, it's very hard to compare, you know, apples for apples. So yeah, it was, it was great. It was so much fun. And I love, I love the private event. I think it was, yeah, it was a hit. (laughs) Yay. As you're telling that story about comparison, it brings back a memory of mine of doing like a ceramic class with a friend. And we were making the same thing because we were following the, you know, the tutor, the tuition, whatever it is. And our, our, our creations looked quite different. And my buddy um, was just hard on herself the whole time. And I, it just, it was really an interesting thing to observe and really made me feel for her as well. So yeah, good on you for managing to find a way that where that comparison doesn't, or isn't prominent, I suppose. Yeah. And I've had um, like workshops at my studio and that's really the core focus is the inner critic and how to overcome that voice, like use that as the the mentor, not the critic. And how do we sort of harness that into helping us go, all right, that color doesn't look good. Why doesn't it look good? Okay. This just kind of working through that. So to have very small groups that I would sort of coach through and it was like getting out of the head and into the body. So I do a lot of dance and movement as well in the class. That was really fun, but I've kind of put those on hold until next year, just because I've got other focuses right now and we're reaching the end of the year. So art making can be quite a vulnerable process. And if they haven't done art in a really long time, it can just bring back all of those wounds and those stories and all of that. And that inner critic can run wild. Like I've experienced that in my workshops too. Like it's quite a vulnerable. Yeah. So I guess as a teacher, you're sort of like that becoming that, you know, kind voice and that nurturing space holder. And I can imagine you doing that so well, but then also like keeping it quite lively. Yeah, it's good. And it's also, yeah, challenging that that voice. Like we all have it. So 
okay, what's it saying to you? What, like, where is that voice yours? Is it your mum's? Is it your teacher? Your, is it, where is it coming from? And I think it goes into a very like psychological space as well, which I'm, I'm very interested in, but yeah, it's good fun. I feel like artists like have to coach themselves out of doing that anyway. It's like every practicing artist, like there's no one that doesn't have baggage I imagine like unless you're like some sort of prodigy or something and you just come out of the womb and you're just yeah, yeah. amazing like you and me you mean Laura <laughs> Tessa and Tessa <laughs> <laughs> we all have those voices yeah but I feel like yeah I guess we're we have to coach ourselves out of it too like I've been doing it for so long it's yeah something that I guess we do in our practice all the time And so when people are like stepping into the space and they're like, you know, a little uncertain, you can sort of coach them through that. What other mindset things have you done to help you get the confidence to like step into art as a career? Well, I guess I have a life coach and she has been very, very instrumental to my last couple of years. So just before I had surgery in 2020, I was like, I'm looking for some kind of community. I'm sick of my own bullshit. I'm sick of repeating the same patterns. I was just sick of it. And I I just felt like I needed some kind of like women's group or a community or yeah, people to really turn to. And I'd been listening to Erica Kramer. I don't know if you're familiar with her, the queen of confidence. She's based in Melbourne. She is American or Puerto Rican actually, I think, but she's amazing. And she's like so full of fire and just like such a go-getter, like, you know, recorded her first podcasts in her car. You can hear her e-tag beeping, her kids whinging in the back. Like she just got out there and did it because she believed so much in what she was doing. So it was really like her story that I was like, oh, like you don't need to have the microphone, the headset. You don't need to have all the like the fancy stuff to do anything. And she's doing it and she's doing really well. So I joined her, it's called Sisterhood. So I joined that um, just before I had surgery and that she's got a Facebook group where you reach out anytime. It's global. So there's always people on that will kind of help you through any struggle or any win, like it's good and bad, anything. And she has live events as well. And I actually went on a retreat with her this year, which was incredible with her and her husband. And they're just like such a power couple, like so, so good, but chalk and cheese. Like he's super like Zen and like a meditation guy. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Energy. (laughs) So they're just complete opposites, but they complement each other so well. So They have like modules that you go through and it's all about, yeah, building that inner confidence. So that's really like, that's helped me so much. And I honestly don't think I would be where I am at if I didn't have that support and guidance from that group, in all honesty. And it's just, I always struggled to invest in myself. And that was first big investment that I was like, no, like, I'm just going to do it and just see what happens. Like, what's the worst that can happen? I don't do any of the modules and I just like bum out and, I'd be in the same position as I am anyways, if I didn't try. So I just, yeah, I just got, I just got sick of where I was at. So um, that was a massive mindset shift for me was really investing in myself and knowing like, okay, if I do that, if I deal with that childhood trauma thing over there, that's just like eating away. Like, okay, how can that work out and setting those boundaries? And there's just so much, I like, I cannot talk highly enough of that. It's just, yeah, it's been incredible. Amazing. Yeah. What I hear you saying as well is that difficulty in investing in yourself, sort of what got you over the line perhaps on that was the health issues because you realized you needed to lower your stress 
and you needed to build a life that worked for your health and your well-being across the board. So yeah, good on you for making that choice. It's hard. Like it, it's a very, very big decision, I'm sure. But yeah, it sounds like it's working well for you, which is great. So in all of your efforts to go full-time in your art and make an income out of your art, you have tried a whole bunch of things as you were sort of chatting about before. If we were to list them off, what have you tried? So we've said we've said murals, paint parties. What else have you, I know a little bit, but do you want to share with our listeners? I guess original paintings is a big one, getting your work out there. Prints. I'm yet to really find a print person, a supplier that I'm really happy with the price and the quality. So I'm still struggling there a bit, but there's, yeah, there's prints, there's merchandise. There's like, you know, I want to do headbands. I always wear headbands and earrings. So I'd like to get into that sort of space as well. There's just, there's so, the options are endless. And I think that that is the key is to diversify, like have seven different things that you do that can bring you income. So you're not relying on, you know, that one original painting that's been sitting there for years and I can't sell it. Like that's no, that's not, you need to do different things and really put yourself out there. And I guess, yeah, be prepared for rejection because that's just going to happen. Like art prizes as well. I'm really yet to dip my toe in that, but I know that that's a really big thing. Even getting my work into like wholesaling, like I haven't done that yet. Like there's so many things I've wanted to do, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, this is my focus for this couple of months. Let's do murals for a couple, like let's do this rather than because like my natural state is to, oh, that's something sparkly. Oh, I like want to do all the things all at the same time and then wonder why nothing is getting done. So it's focusing on that big, big, big thing that I really want to do. So right now it's murals and then all the other little things will hum away in the background. And if I really want to push them, then I do. So I don't know if that answers the question or not, but yeah. No, this is a similar sort of thread that we had with the previous interview, which hasn't been released yet. So you haven't listened to it, but we had a previous talk with Susan Nethercutt and it was all about the cycles and, you know, like keeping that focus. So, you know, exploring something, fleshing it out for two or three months. And yeah, so I think that that is something that you've intuitively gone with and, you know, you're just sort of, okay, my focus now is these murals. So like, I'm really going to like flesh that out. But then, yeah, you can always have those like shiny objects that you want to explore like in the background. Yeah, make a list and get to them when like I have a Notion board. I'm not sure if you use like Trello or Notion or any of those kind of project managing boards. But yeah, I can access it on my phone. It's cloud-based. Like, And when I think of an idea, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. But just note it and then go, all right, let's park that. And when it feels right, it'll actually surface. So Yeah. And perfectionism as well has been a massive one. Like actually just getting something done, like done's better than done perfect. And that was something from my boss in Melbourne. He always used to say that because he could see those perfectionist tendencies in me being like, oh, but the presentation's not exactly how I want it. He's like, it's great. It's great. It looks great. I think it looks great. Just get over it kind of thing. So I've really had to do that. Yeah. Even with my artwork, I'm like, yeah, I think it's done, but you know, everything can always be improved, but perfection's just a, you know, fantasy. It doesn't actually exist in our mind. No, and it's through your own perception anyway, you know, So, and your viewers have their own their own perspective, totally different to yours. Exactly. So you just got to make the decision and go, all right, cool, that's done, move on. I release that into the world. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Do you have any 
more questions, Laura? Oh, I don't know. This has been such a fun conversation. Thank you for sharing everything with us, Tessa. No, oh, no worries. I'm like, we need a photo. We need a little. We should. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll get one of them. So that sounds really good. Yeah. So maybe we should just leave it for you, Tessa. Maybe just a small nugget of wisdom to anyone that's sort of like ready to make the leap and just, yeah, wanting to explore explore the art world, like invest in themselves, like jump in, like follow this, this calling. Like you've, it's been a little like whisper and then it's just becoming louder and louder. Like what would you say to those people that are listening? Don't ignore that whisper. Don't ignore it because we only have one life that we know of. I mean, everyone has different beliefs, but let's just make the most of it. And yeah, don't ignore the whisper. Just lean into those things that feel good and say no to the things that feel bad. And yeah, just really like gut instinct, we all have it. Just really, really get quiet and go inward and really try and tap into that. And I think that that's been a real game changer for me is just to get honest with myself and yeah, just just go for it. I love that. Yes, we both we both said love that. Um, would you like to share just quickly where people can find you? Yeah, so I'm at Tessa Tessa.marie.art at um, an Instagram. And I think it's the same on Facebook as well. I'm more active on Instagram than Facebook. And then my website is tessamarieart.com. Beautiful. So yeah, that's where you can find all the things. I also have a podcast coming out soon as well. Woohoo! Uh, it's called Make and Shake Podcast with my good friend Jen from Jen and Tonic. So we are co-hosting and we are recording our intro next week. So we're just picking the music at the moment. We're right at the beginning. So yeah, that will be that will be coming out probably in the new year. So really excited to. That's so exciting. Do those. And I want you guys on there too. <laughs> like I need to, I've got such a list of all the That's super cool. Well, you will send us the link and then we can put that in the show notes for when this episode comes out in the new year as well. Yeah. Yay. Thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. It's been so great. So just a reminder to the podcast listeners, if you want to leave us a review on Spotify, you can leave us a five-star review if you found this episode helpful. And then also we are on YouTube, we're on Apple Podcasts. Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. (laughs) We're in your cupboard. Yeah, send us any takeaways from this episode or any future ideas for future podcast episodes. Yeah, catch you guys soon. Bye, Tessa. Bye. See ya.